Hello, welcome to Moms Changing the World. This is your host, Akua Walker, Child Development Nurse Practitioner and CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer, introducing the new podcast, which is the place for moms to find encouragement, hope, and inspiration, where we're supporting moms in the trenches of motherhood. You will receive practical tips and strategies to address the developmental needs of your children with a positive parenting perspective in mind. Here at Moms Changing the World, we are moms on the journey of changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. Hello and welcome to Moms Changing the World. I am your host, Akua Walker, pediatric nurse practitioner and CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer, bringing you another special episode of Moms Changing the World. I'm so excited to share this episode today as we are you know, starting to consider some of the, the things that we can do as moms more, dive in more deeply connect to more personally that can enrich our lives and fill our lives with more joy, make our lives easier and help us with the theme of this year, which is renewal. And I think art and creativity is a big and beautiful part of that. And so the guest today we'll be talking to, Leah Guzman, is an art therapist who helps children and adults explore art as part of their renewal and healing process. So before we begin, I love sharing an African proverb, and today's proverb comes from the Yoruba people of Nigeria, and they have a nice one that kind of connects to the idea of art and beauty in that uh, it says, anyone who sees beauty and does not look at it will soon be poor. I'll say that again. Anyone who sees beauty and does not look at it will soon be poor. And for me, that kind of rings to all the beauty that is naturally around us and that just kind of fills and surrounds us in creation is there for us to behold. But if we don't take the time to look at it, take the time to stop and smell the roses, take the time to really experience and appreciate it, then we miss out. You know, that poorness to me speaks of lacking or missing, you know, missing out. And so I think that lends itself nicely to what we're talking about today. So before I have Leah tell us, you know, more about this, I'd like to share, you know, that she supports creatives with healing and manifesting their desires, utilizing art media through art therapy services and coaching. Leah Guzman has written two art therapy books. So she's an author of books called Essential Art Therapy Exercises for Adults. And her children's book, Rad is Smad. Her signature program, Art of Healing and Manifesting, supports individuals by healing any emotional wounds and transforming energy to be their more authentic selves. I focus on the law of attraction, spirituality, and cognitive behavioral art therapy techniques. She also has other online creative soul society connections, a monthly art making group and artist therapy classes on her site. And so I'm so excited to introduce Leah Guzman today. Good morning. 
Good morning, Akua. Thank you so much for having me. And I love that African proverb. That was beautiful. I wrote it down. Sure. Good. Good. Yes. You know, I think there's wisdom, you know, from around the world. And, you know, I can often find something that speaks very closely, you know, to what we are talking about today. And, you know, as a, you know, I consider myself an artistic person in that uh, musical I, you know, I'm a singer. I work with children in, you know, conducting children's choir. And so I think, you know, for me, it it comes naturally to kind of express creativity through music, you know, singing uh, and dancing as well. I, I, you know, love Zumba and I teach, you know, Zumba for children and adults as well. So there are some natural things about it. But I, you know, I think as children, children are intuitively artistic and creative, and they don't limit it to one form or another. And yet, I think as we grow up and become adults, you know, some of the pressures and demands of kind of society and culture feel like pull us away from, you know, being as natural and creative in a variety of ways as possible. So I think about something like coloring, you know, which, you know, my kids, you know, love to do. And I know for a long time, you know, I didn't you know, make the time to, to join in with them. And yet it's such a simple and meditative way. Now it's a thing, right? Uh, you know, color meditation, you know, and, and you know, as for adults, had, you know, became a, a, you know, a thing, I think last year, the year before, I feel like I saw a lot more books and a lot more talk about it. So, yeah, why don't you, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, about yourself and your family? Yes. Well, I live in Miami, Florida. My husband and two children. My kids are 11. I have a daughter who's 11, and my son is 14. So it's a whole new world. They're kind of moving into that teenager um, stage. You're there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's different types of needs. When they're little, it's like they need you so much, um, like physically for everything. But now it's kind of very like independent, but they still need you emotionally and they need you to, you know, for that structure and you know, to be organized and, you know, they need that direction too. So it's just, you need, they need you in, in different ways, <laughs> sure, <laughs> meeting sure. their needs. Sure. So, so yeah. yeah. So that's where I'm at right now with them. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Speaking of meeting those like physical needs, I love to start off very practical, you know, with go-to meals mm-hmm. and feeding our kids. You know, what are some of the things that you like to do for that? Yeah. So we, we keep it pretty, I want to say simple. It's like, we are kind of routine and every week. It's, it's, we use that crock pot in the one pod and Mm. we pretty much make the same type of food um, every week. Maybe we'll like switch it up a little bit, but I love just being able to like put some like chicken in the crock pot and let it like cook for like six hours. And then from that, you know, being able to make that simple meal with like mashed potatoes and green beans or making tacos from that you know, being able to extend the meals. We do a lot of seafood and we grill out a lot because the weather's nice here. But yeah, we're just having that consistency. Um, And then, you know, the tough nights where we're just like exhausted, we'll just put some pasta and the kids are cool with that. We're like, okay, just put some pesto on it. So uh, yeah, we we keep that consistent. We we kind of know where we're at. Like we'll we'll go out, not that we actually physically go out to eat, but we'll like, we'll order out sometimes as well. And that's kind of like a big treat, getting that pizza or our favorite, like, yeah, taco place. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, we sound pretty similar in that. Yeah, I do love that kind of Instapot, throw it, you know, throw it and forget it, you know, kind mm-hmm. of meal making. Yes, there's so many recipes, websites, YouTube, you know, you can literally type in what you have in your refrigerator and mm-hmm. something will magically appear, you know, that you can do pretty easily. 
you know, hours ahead of time if, if you think of it or, you know, pretty quick as well. So that's great. That's great. So then as far as your motherhood journey, you know, is motherhood what you expected it would be? Well, I think that, you know, I, I don't think you're ever prepared <laughs> when, <laughs> when you become a mother. You never, it's like this really unknown. I remember being pregnant and someone telling me, she's like, you know, you know go ahead and sleep now because you'll need it. And I didn't really understand that until I actually had my son. I was like, whoa, okay. That's what she was saying. That's what she meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't really, really sure about that. Even I remember like when my son, when, you know, had my son in, uh, like just in that whirlwind, the first three months of how intense it is, I call it the hurricane and, and being able to go out with him, like just to go get some coffee. Cause we'd always like, you know, just stop at the store, run out and get this. And I remember taking him on the stroller and be like, Oh my goodness, like he's going to be going with me everywhere. And I have to prepare <laughs> for this. Like I have to pack a bag and I have to bring snacks or bring things. And it was just like, uh, you know, it's a whole, whole new, new world, world of being yeah, so it was a little bit of shocker, I have to admit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think there's there's some things about when they are really little that are nice, and that and the, to me, I felt like they were like I could like kind of like put them in my pocket, put them in my pocket, and go. Right, it was almost like this, like they were kind of just another like a part of me that I could you know bundle up, grab a few things for, and we could go and do a lot of the things that I had done before. But yes, it it did take a little bit of forethought. And preparation because now they have naps and they have, you know, meals that they also, you know, count on and diaper changes in the middle of the park. You know, it's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of be ready, you know, for anything that comes your way. Yeah. So then how did you discover art as therapy? Well, well, I've always been an artist all my life. When I was little, I was always drawing and creating, and I still have some pieces from them, which is cool. But it wasn't until I was in high school where things got a little bit more challenging for me. My mom was a single mom, and she was doing the best she could, but she w- we were moving around a lot. And I actually had to end up going to like three different high schools because of my mom's work. She was a flight attendant. She kept getting stationed at different places. And it made me go back into my art more because I didn't have friends to really, you know, I have to like meet new people and things like that. And I was like, well, my art is consistent. And it was a way for me to process my feelings and just kind of go into my own little world. And so I was actually putting my artwork within school. My teacher would put it into jury shows. And one of the jury shows, one of the judges had asked me, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I was like, well, you know, I love psychology and I love art, but I don't, I don't really know. And they're like, well, have you heard of art therapy? No. And so she was really sweet. And she sent me this article that was in the newspaper. It was a little boy who had cancer and he was in the hospital. And so he had an art therapist come in and visit him while he was in the hospital because like his parents couldn't always be there. They had to work. So she would visit him and then help him emotionally deal with, you know, what was going on because he was like, he couldn't physically like go anywhere. Right. So she had him drawing out Pac-Man eating away his cancer cells and Mm. eventually the cancer. He went through remission and he felt really powerful. And I was just like, wow, that's so amazing that like this person was able to support him emotionally during this really tough time. And he got through it, you know, and he has that visual that, that he could, that he could do it. And I was like, I want to be that person. I want to be that person that could help somebody during their tough time, because I knew I was going through a tough time and I knew the art was healing for me. So I wanted to take it to that next level. 
So that's kind of how I was first introduced to it. And then when I, my undergraduate, I did it focus on studio sculpture and then I got into painting, but I knew that for my master's, I wanted to get it in art therapy. And that's when mm-hmm. I you know, did my master's in art therapy mm-hmm. to become yeah. an art therapist. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, the, the first time I heard about art as a therapy that you could specialize in was one of my best friends from high school decided to uh, major in it as, a, as an undergraduate. And I was like, oh, tell me more, because we had been in choirs together and we had, you know, done a lot of our music together. And, you know, he kind of was the connection to the idea that you could bring something that is creative and such, you know, and kind of life-giving, energy-giving into a therapy world and actually use it, you know, for intervention, for support, for development and growth. So I, I, my mind was blown when I, you know heard about it and kind of heard aspects of it along, you know, his journey. Yeah. So that's great. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. More people are getting to know about it, which is great because I've been doing it for 17 years and Mm -hmm. it's honestly, there's been so many times you're like, what is it? I've never heard of it. But then the last few years, people, they're still like, oh, I've heard of it. And then, right. but, but tell me more. I'm interested in knowing yeah. more. So that's good. I'm glad it's, the, the word is, is getting, <laughs> getting out, out there about yeah, what it is. It's, it's been around yeah. for about 80 years. So it's been oh, around yeah. for a long time. It's just wow. people are starting to accept it. Sure, sure. And so then how do you use this, you know, with children now, you know, inside your home and outside your home and adults as well? Yeah, so I actually, I work in the school system as uh, offering services. I have a contract with them. And I also do private practice work in my home. So that is um, how I'm able to reach people. Sometimes I see people in person and when I go out into the schools, but then I also like see adults and I see children as well um, online through like Zoom. So that's like another way that it can help them. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And so then is it always, you know, you mentioned the first experience was like, you know, with an illness. Is it always related to uh, physical or mental health or, or how does it play out in a school setting? Yeah, the kids that have been identified as at risk, meaning that either they're not attending school or they're having some behavioral issues. So that could come out in different ways. They might be like really withdrawn and not being expressive. So they might be showing signs of like depression or like high anxiety. Um, or it could be that opposite extreme is that they're they're lashing out. They're very angry, aggressive, and you know getting into fights and and things like that. So it's kind of on that spectrum of just knowing that they need help in some way. And if you know there are verbal therapists in the school system, but if you know if they're inclined to like making art or open to making art seem artistic then they'll be referred to an art therapist so yeah it comes from all different backgrounds that they might they could have a mental illness but not necessarily they could just be going through a life transition their parents might be divorcing or they might be on the spectrum with with autism and learning about how to deal with their social skills or I mean there's just a gamut of uh, why someone would need help at that time in their life and sometimes I get to see students from elementary to middle to to high school which has been beautiful to be able to support them in that way and sometimes it's just like for a year or two but Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's pretty amazing that it's offered and my vision is that I would love to see our therapy in all schools in America like I would you know I just want it to be just another tool to teach empathy another tool to teach that emotional intelligence so that it's it's just like a natural thing it's like you you get you're getting it where you're going anyway you know it's in that that home base of school because it might not be getting it everywhere um, right in our life 
Right. And I think, you know, I work with children who are kind of fall in that same category of, you know, at risk for a variety of reasons, whether it's academic or social or behavioral or emotional. And so, yes, I, you know, encourage parents to, you know, ask about what counseling and support options are available in school. But I have to admit that I'm often thinking of it as talk therapy and not necessarily, you know, therapy. And so maybe could you tell us a little bit about how to find an art therapist if we think it's something that, you know, our child might benefit from, whether it's in school or in home? Yeah, that's a great question. You can find an art therapist. There's actually an organization, it's called the American Art Therapy Association, and they have a listing of art therapists that have credentials. So that's a really great way to find an art therapist. Also, Psychology Today has a listing if if that's that's another way. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'm sure they're- refer families all the time to Psychology Today. And so that is great to know that it's listed on there as well as maybe one of the types of therapy. Mm Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah, you can find find people that way. Or I'm sure you can Google too, and then you can find someone that might show up. So like I said, it's like it's getting more well known so that they're probably easier to find. But people don't always mm-hmm. think about it. And yes. an- another question that comes from parents to ask me, like, do you actually speak in therapy? And I'm like, yes, we do talk, even though we're doing <laughs> art. Mm-hmm. The right. part of the process is that, you know, we're creating art that's a reflection of your life. It's, you know, I'm guiding the client into what their needs are. We're, we're working towards goals, but we're looking at the art as a reflection. So we're, at the end, we, we do talk about how this relates to your life. And we talk about the colors that are used, the symbolism that's inside of it. And, you know, and, and really being able to reflect on it so that, that the child or the adult or whoever it is that's doing it is able to talk about their feelings. You know, that's becomes that natural process of getting in touch with yourself and being able to verbalize it. So that is part of the process too. So it's not just the making, it is, you know, being able to process it verbally too. It's great. Yeah. So, you know, I have to share one of the first, you know, mom podcasts that I listened to back when my kids were young was Raising Playful Tots. I don't think it's still active now, but the, the, I think some of the episodes are still available, but, and the website I think is still there, but the woman would talk about how to incorporate, you know, art and play and just a variety of, you know, things into your life with young children mainly. Mm-hmm. And then kind of adapting it as they grow. And so it got me thinking a lot about, okay, joining in, you know, if my kids are coloring or taking, you know, crayons and markers in that bag that we always have so that if we're stuck somewhere or we just have a little bit of time to wait, we always have a coloring book and we always have our colors with us so that we can enjoy, you know, that creativity. Most definitely. Actually, when the sessions from in the school system, they moved to, to Zoom when everything was on lockdown and we were still right. having school progress. I did have a couple of parents that wanted to be a part of their children's art therapy sessions because they were home with them. And they're like, can I, can I join? I'm like, yes. And it was so powerful that they were creating art on the same things. They were able to talk about, they were sharing, they would come the next session, like, look what else we did. And it was such a bonding (laughs) experience. And I was just like, we should do this all the time. Like, (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. You know, as hard as this, you know, experience with the pandemic has been, I think there have been so Mm -hmm. many silver linings, you know, that families are home doing more together, where there's more time that is flexible, you know, where families can connect, whether it's around a meal or around art, you know, making art together, mm-hmm. getting online, you know, to a, an online, you know, painting class or, you know, doing mm-hmm. something artistic together is is awesome. 
you know, before the pandemic, I, I did go to a physical mother-daughter, like parent-child class with my older, I think she was maybe eight at the time. And it was that bonding experience. It was just she and I, you know, for maybe two hours together, you know, going through the steps. And we created this cute complimentary picture. Like I had mine that I was painting and she had hers, but you could put them together. It was these owls. And so now, you know, we each had the thing, the control that, you know, the creative space to do our own thing, but it, it, you know, you could put them side by side and they became a set. And so I, I do love the opportunity to do art, you know, with my children. And I, I do want to, you know, I think I need a purpose that this year I'm going to be more intentional about that. Any other tips that you could share with us about how to incorporate, you know, kind of art into our life and bonding with our children? Well, I, I always think of the, the little ones with, with bonding with their children. I actually have my book, Red is Mad. It's, it's an art therapy book where it's talking about these monster trunk who has sad and mad feelings and how he deals with them. And so I illustrated and wrote it, but there's actually activities at the end about reflecting about what, what he learned. And then I think mm-hmm. about, you know, as when their kids are younger, they're, you know, you're usually reading to them. I know my kids loved it when, you know, I was reading yes. them stories, but kids yes. still love it all through elementary school. They love when you read with them. So like, you can take that to that next level of just right. let's draw out, let's draw out, you know, what happened in that story or how was that character feeling and, and just kind of like take little sections of it and make it into an art practice too. That's really helpful. Yeah. I mean, we are always, you know, promoting literacy, right. Through you know, reading with our children every day. And so I love that natural next step of, you know, let's draw, you know, some aspect of it, uh, especially maybe one that they, their favorite part or, you know, something that, um, you know, maybe they want to maybe create their own story based off of, or like, okay, what do you think happens next? Right. You could, you know, kind of extend it, you know, into their own version of the story, you know, based on whatever they're thinking and feeling. So that's great. And then I think also something that I, I've, I have already done this year is journaling with my children. And my journal happens to have a few pages of coloring, you know, coloring pages. I think they kind of fig- figured out how to like integrate it into kind of that planner. I'm using a like a planner journal kind of thing. And they have a few pages. And so I said, okay, guys, let's get our colors. Mommy has her page that I'm working on, you know, get your pages ready. And they could, you know, choose whatever they wanted. And we spent some time, you know, coloring together. And it was, it was a blast. It didn't take that long, but I think they were Mm -hmm. like, oh, mommy, you're coloring. You have a coloring page too. (laughs) (laughs) I do. And so (laughs) that really inspired them to also, right. You know, jump in there. And as they're getting older, I'm, I'm hope I'm trying not to lose sight of that. Right. I want to do some of these things Mm -hmm. that keep that, you know, that connection to colors, creativity. And a lot of kids are making their own like comic books these days as well. Mm -hmm. So great. Well, you know, speaking of kind of emotions and art and processing emotions, there's been so much going on in our world, you know, since the pandemic started. I mean, before that, you know, there certainly were things Mm -hmm. that we were all coping with, but certainly, you know, a year ago with life, you know, dramatically changing, we've had even more emotions and children are having even more to contend and cope with and adults and parents are trying to keep it all together. Mm -hmm. And so, I'm curious, you know, how are you talking to your children about empathy and about what's going on in in the world and how to cope and deal with that? Mm, Important topic right here. Heavy, but it's really important to talk about. And 
I know that it's it's tough waters because a lot of parents want to protect their children and not talk about these things that are happening in the news or what's happening around us. And it's really a crucial time to to teach our kids empathy. And this is your opportunity to do that. So what we do is we eat dinner together, which is just standard. That's what we do. And we discuss, you know, things, things that are happening in the news so that our children are aware of, you know, what's happening, but also how people are responding to what's happening. And it, and it might not always be the right way, but we want to teach them that, you know, that there's things happening in the world where people's rights aren't being respected or, you know, there's people have different viewpoints about politics and that it's important to speak up for what's right for everybody, even though it's hard, like you still have to do the right thing, even though it might be hard to talk about. So it's important to speak up. It's important to have marches and to be able to talk about it. But it's also teaching them that, you know, we don't have to fight and we don't have to kill just because there's a disagreement or we don't agree with the same same sides of, of certain political parties. Because I think that's important to let our children know because, you know, even when, like within my own family, we have different relatives that have different political point of views. And it's not that we disrespect them or talk down about them. But we will let them know, it's like, well, this is what our view is. And this is how we feel is uh, best for everybody when we, you know, believe in these certain, like, empathy rights for everybody. Like, we, we, this is what we believe in. And, and this is how we can go about that in a respectful way. So they're, they're learning from us by talking about, you know, what's happening and just making it a normal conversation and, and not hiding it from them. So that's how we've been been going about it. And they, they just, they, they are, they're open to it and they want to know, like, why do we have mm-hmm. Martin Luther King Day? Like, why is there marches? Mm-hmm. And, and why was there a riot happening? Why are these people mm-hmm. angry? And mm-hmm. so these are good questions and we can explore. Yeah. yeah. We just go deeper into, into that. Yeah. I think many parents are afraid to, you know, to talk too much or to show too much to children because we want to shelter and protect them from the hard things, you know, that are going on. But in some ways, we can't kind of ignore it anymore. We can't pretend it's not there or we can't completely shelter it because it's so in our face in many ways when things like this happen. And so I love that you're, you know, bringing up that children have questions. They're naturally curious and they often will give you the perfect, you know, entry point into, you know, how to talk about something, you know, that's going on by their question. And so, you know, we may not have the perfect answer and that's okay. And and I think even just letting our kids know that, gosh, that's a good question, right? And this is what I think right now, but I bet there's more, you know, that we can maybe find out together, you know, about this, or we could explore this in a different way. If you feel like you're caught off guard, you know, by what your kids are asking. So that's great. And I think the fact that you're making it like a regular part of conversation also makes it easier because you get more kind of practice talking about it, you know, at their level. And so the more you do something, the easier it becomes. And they too don't think it's odd or strange to talk about what's going on, right, in the world and what's going on around them. And so, you know, those who are listening to the podcast can't see you. Why don't you tell us about your ethnicity and, you know, your family's kind of cultural, you know, heritage? Yeah, I always called myself a mutt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's funny. Like my mom's side of the family is she's Irish and English. And then my dad is Greek. And so I have those three ethnicities. And then I actually married. My husband is Puerto Rican and Cuban. So that's where my Mm. last name comes from, from Guzman. And so my kids have all of those ethnicities, like 
like you know through throughout and yeah. it's interesting because i live in miami and my last name's guzman everyone thinks i'm hispanic and i don't even right. speak spanish so i i, <laughs> yeah. I need to learn but sure, <laughs> i have sure. yeah. take a little bit i think i understand more than i speak but yeah so i'm i'm a little bit of a mutt and i but i i love it i love being just just having these different like backgrounds and culture right, and my right. one of my visions is like i really definitely want to go to europe and go to greece and go to ireland yes, and, and yes. just go kind to different places your so that i can like yeah and be able to do that so so one day that will happen <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome and then you know you bring up you know raising children that have multiple kind of ethnic you know identities right and so how do you help them understand kind of who they are and where they fit in this you know beautiful right kaleidoscope that is america yeah, well, it's fun because some of their like their projects at school, you know, go with this. They're like, well, go yeah. interview like your grandfather and find out about you know their where they're from and like what your history is, and yeah. you know, and so there's been projects like that where we've got to explore explore that, and then we have talked about you know where do you know, where do we want to travel, and we talk about we were actually planning a trip to Greece. It was going to be for this summer, and it got canceled. So we were like doing like a long time travel planning for this travel. So that got canceled. Yeah. But yeah, so it's part of you know just honoring that and and looking of like how we can explore that that more. Like for Christmas, I actually made Greek cookies because my mm. grandmother she would always make Greek cookies during the holidays, and so I yeah. I just want to make that a tradition as well for my my daughter because she loves baking so much. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that sense of travel and, you know, bringing in elements of tradition, you know, is a beautiful way of connecting to that larger world, right, that we live in, that, you know, you have these ties, you know, to different countries. And it's nice that that schools bring it up, like you said, but we also with the traditions that are handed down from generation to generation can also, you know, share and enjoy that. It's wonderful. So, you know, as we transition snacks, I have become kind of a thing with, you know, being at home more. And, you know, I'm curious if you have some, you know, ideas for snacks or quarantines, your family's favorite quarantine snacks. <laughs> yeah. So Mike, both of my kids love to bake and we love Ghirardelli chocolate. So I don't know if you've ever had it before, oh, but yeah. if you go we to like live BJ's. across the bridge from there. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we, yes, they have we these big boxes. Share. Yeah, they have these big boxes of the brownie mix and the chocolate chip mix. So my kids just love whipping those up all the time. And I'm like, hold up, hold up. But that's definitely <laughs> like all this. Like, we always have fresh brownies. Even when we go to like a friend's house to go visit and social distance visit, but they'll be like, hey, can you bring some brownies? Like, they know that yeah. we always, <laughs> always make So we always have brownies, we always have cookies. And then, you know, for myself, I'm always trying to, trying to eat healthy, but I'll cook, I'll cook up, I'll cut up vegetables, like carrots or celery and things like that to eat for myself to snack on during the week. And if I have it in the refrigerator, my kids actually won't, you know, like open that up to eat that at all. But if I like cut up some cucumbers or cut up some sort of vegetables and I just have them out on the, on the counter, they'll eventually just disappear. So that's kind of like mm. my one way of trying to sneak in because those cookies are always there. They're <laughs> right. like always trying to like put that something else. There's something else to eat other than that. Right, right. So and that, that that's, that's a nice doing. balance. Yeah, yeah. And that's a great, you know, tip. You know, I, I often mention or say that children eat what they see. And so if they, you know, don't see the, the vegetable or fruit options, the healthier options, like as readily available or as presented as nicely as some of the, 
you know, the other things they are not going to be as interested and they're not going to go for it. So cutting up, you know, veggies and fruit is a, is a great way for snacking and making mm-hmm. it look more appealing and making it more accessible, right? And so that's a great tip just to have, you know, put out a platter, you know, so that eventually somebody will eat it <laughs> because <Yes>. it's there. <laughs> it will disappear. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Good. Well, you know, I see you as a mom changing the world, you know, using your voice as an art therapist, as an author, as a kind of counselor and support person for children and adults, helping, you know, make the world better through finding healing in art. You know, how did you find this in your motherhood journey? And how do you create balance and find joy in all that you're juggling? That's a great question, because it was definitely a process. Didn't come naturally, I guess you could say. So when my kids were little, I would say between my daughter's age was zero to two, my son probably was like three to five at that time. I was having a lot of high anxiety. I was having bouts of depression and I didn't really know where it was coming from because I mean, we had a beautiful home. I was healthy. They were healthy. I had steady work. You know, nothing, there wasn't any financial issues. There was just, everything was great, but there was that part of me that just felt like something was missing and I couldn't quite like pinpoint like what it was. And I was struggling emotionally how to deal with this. And so I actually, yeah, I got support. I actually went to an art therapist myself because I was like, you know, I'm waking up in the middle of the night. Like I'm not even able to sleep because I'm just feeling so, so anxious. And I would, you know, I was, I was starting to, to say, okay, this, I'm, I'm it's definitely affecting me. It's, it's affecting my, my day-to-day living. So I did get help. And part of my process of, of getting help, going to the art therapist, it helped me realize, you know, gave me a place to explore my emotions, but it made me realize that I wasn't nurturing my soul. I wasn't, I was actually having a creative block because I was giving so much, uh, working as an art therapist, giving to my children, being there for their needs physically, and you know, being there for my husband, for the home, that type of thing. But I wasn't nurturing my art and I was actually in a creative block. And so what came from that is that I wanted to create something. I knew I needed to get, get this out. And so what happened was I ended up making that the children's book, Radis Mad. I started illustrating this monster truck because at the time my son was really in the monster trucks, playing with them all the time. And I was thinking, man, he's like, he's crashing, he's bashing, he's feeling smad. And that's really how I was feeling. I was feeling sad and mad because I wasn't taking care of myself. So I was like, I need to create something that I can show and teach others how to do that. So the children's book is about how he learned how to like get help from the wise monster truck and got a car wash and then felt better about himself. He learned how to cool down and make friends with people, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. So I, I created the book, you know, I was thinking it's for everyone else, so I could use it for it, but it was really for me. Like when I look back at it, I was like, oh my gosh, that was like me needing that. <laughs> and, but it was my, it was like my stepping back into my art. And then from doing the book and, and then I learned how like to promote it, it actually, it was another awakening of, wow, this is really about me getting back into my art and doing it for myself and then learning how to to do my self-care and create boundaries so that I can say, hey, I need space. Like to my, 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 at that time, my husband and I would have this thing called threshold. Like if anyone said threshold, either one of us, that means like, okay, give that person 20 minutes, <laughs> like give them some space. That means that we met, we like, we, we were like, ah, 
Yes, code but, word. But now we don't even have this. <laughs> yes, code word. <laughs> we don't even use that word anymore because we both have gotten, like, are able to just say, hey, honey, I need a couple hours. And I put a, I made a, I have a little sign that I put on my door and it's like, I need some time for myself or I need 20 minutes or whatever. And so we are able to, we have that flow of being able to give ourselves space. And my kids understand that too now. And they need space too. They're like, mom, I need, I need to do this. I'm like, sure, sure. You can have your time. But that was definitely going through that, again, like the dark night of the soul, going through that darkness, it, you know, brought out the, the beauty of how important my art is to me and how much joy I get from it. And it also brought me to that next level that I want to share this with other people. Like I really do find so much passion in, in my own art. And, and then I wanted to sell it because before I was never selling my artwork when I was younger. And so this was an opportunity to say, Hey, I want to create and I want to be able to share it to others. And then also it, it kind of up-leveled my art therapy practice as well. It's like, I, I knew that I wanted to let more people know. So I started doing like podcasts, like talking to people about it, offering online services and, and just being able to, to branch out in, in another way. Cause it, it makes me happy. <laughs> It really does. Like, I feel like I'm on purpose. Yes, yes. Moving forward. That's beautiful. And when you can kind of get to that zone, find your your space, you know, as you're mentioning, that is where beautiful things happen. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of what I've been doing is just being able to to balance those, that self-care and that it also feeds into being able to, to offer more to other people. Awesome. Yeah. So part of the process, it's been like an evolution of, you know, being able to create my art and being able to put it out there and also, you know, balancing my art therapy practice. But even with that, I still feel like it's an evolution. For example, um, I started a membership during the pandemic because I wanted to connect with other creatives and create community. And so I was like, how can I do this? And so I was thinking, well, let me start a membership and then just let people know that like on a monthly basis, we can meet up twice a month, like on Zoom and create together. And that could be their self-care, my self-care. And it's, <laughs> it's, and it's fun Like we can grow together and learn from each other. So yeah, so it's been an evolution, but I just feel like it's, it's going in, in the right direction of, of being able to fulfill my needs and then other people's needs as well. That's wonderful. And so you started answering kind of the question around what do you do for self-care? Then it sounds like this, the, the kind of creating art on your own and together is part of your self-care routine. Yeah, I would say that's part of it. I mean, I do, for me, it's more of like a lifestyle of self-care because yeah, like, even yeah. when, like when I wake up in the morning, I have, I, I do like structure. And that really helps me by, I, I do a meditation practice. I do journaling. That kind of just like sets me up for the day. And then mm-hmm. I've been incorporating exercise. You said Zumba. I was like, oh, I like Zumba too. And I just <laughs> right. got into it because of the <laughs> oh, pandemic. Awesome. Cause like, yes. I just felt like I needed to move my body. So now I'm doing like YouTube yeah. videos. Yeah. And I'm, I'm doing workouts with some friends outside in their, in their yard. And so it's just like, like, so I, I do incorporate lots of different types of self-care and definitely mm-hmm. art is like a, a major one for me, mm-hmm. but it's like, mm-hmm. it's an everyday nurturing. And, and part of that process is like, even in my program, it's just like, I, I teach that it's like, it's not just here or there or when you're down at your dumps, it's like, it's right. every single day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, moms, we don't give ourselves permission to do that. And so, you know, how, you know, how can we move towards a lifestyle of self-care? 
you know, like it sounds like you've, you've nurtured, it probably didn't happen overnight. And so, you know, how can we, you know, move towards that as moms ourselves, you know, who don't maybe work in our, you know, art or work in therapy, any advice for us? Yes, most definitely. I, I would say get support because a lot of times our habits and things like that, we don't see them for ourselves. And that's why if, when you get support, someone can help you sort that out and help you create that structure and, and really don't have shame in it. I know that a lot of creatives or people that I've talked to that, that are meetings where other moms, you know, there might be some embarrassment that they can't do everything or, you know, that they are, you know, everything's messy. And I'm like, it's okay. It's okay to be messy. You know, it's, it is a part of that process, but it's also knowing what you want, like knowing that you do want to feel good, knowing that you do Mm want to feel organized or having that opportunity. So it's kind of just knowing where you're at, honoring where you're at and and get support Mm -hmm. where you, where you need support. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's really the advice that I'd like to give. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, very helpful. I think, especially with you know, things being kind of unexpected, uh, you know, we've had so many like surprises, we've had things, a lot of things out of our control. And, you know, in many ways, we, in some sense, had us maybe a false sense of security, we thought we could count on certain things, you know, just because they always had been that way until, you know, kind of everything came to, uh, you know, a grinding halt. And even the things we took for granted, you know, being able to send our kids off to school and being able to, you know, buy toilet paper, right? Like all of those things just kind of, you know, in, in a very quick amount of time changed. And so I think, you know, like you said, you know, really setting an intention, right? Setting a, a purpose to incorporate, you know, self-nurturing things in, you know, including art, creativity, rest, mind, you know, meditation, that it doesn't have to look one way. It doesn't have to be one thing. It doesn't have to take hours, but it can really be a mode, right? That we're incorporating things that make us feel good, that make us feel renewed and refreshed and replenished, right? And help us, you know, have something to give that other people want, (laughs) right? So that's, that's great. Good. So, you know, as we wind up today, you know, I sometimes will end with a meditation or a guided, you know, reflection or mindfulness. And I thought, you know, since, you know, you lead people often in art for therapy, I thought maybe you could end us with, you know, an exercise for a few minutes as moms trying to incorporate, you know, more art for creativity and healing into our lives. Most definitely. I was thinking we could do a little visualization and then after that, it can get out a little sketchbooks or their journal or agenda and to do a little response piece from it. Does that sound good? That's perfect. Thank you. Okay. So what we'll do is I'm going to invite you to go ahead and if you're standing, go ahead and take a seat and relax. Roll your shoulders back. Gently close your eyes. And just take a moment for yourself. Take a deep breath in and deep breath out. We're going to go on a little journey together where you can relax and let go of your responsibilities for right now. And you can just be you and be true for you. We're going to be walking through a field. 
So go ahead and imagine yourself on a beautiful day, walking through some grasses along the forest. And you decide to walk towards the forest. You're like, I just want to take a nice little break. You hear the birds, watch the butterflies. And you see a little path that you want to walk down. So you're walking down this path and you're enjoying the scenery and you feel so relaxed. You're taking time for you. And your energy is coming back and you're feeling alive and loved and nurtured. And you know that you have time to do everything that needs to get done. And you know that you have the support to do anything that you'd like to do. So I want you to just look around, look at what you're wearing, and take this feeling of being loved, to being nurtured, taken care of. And you get to do whatever you like to do, however you want to spend your time, your day that it's there for you and you have that power. So you're stepping into your true, true self. I want you to imagine a color that matches this feeling of freedom and self-care and being nurtured. And take that color with you and I want you to take that feeling with you. And we're gonna walk back home Walk back through the forest. We're going to walk back to your home where you're at. And you're going to do a drawing. You can use the color that you, that you saw. And you can just use line, shape, and color to represent that for you, your true you. When you're ready, you can open up your eyes. And you can do the, the journal prompt. Great. So take a couple of minutes to kind of, you said, use line, color, and shape. Mm -hmm. To use that color and bring that forward in whatever way you want on paper. Yes. So awesome. it's capturing that, that emotion of just being taken care of and, and being that, that true self. Cause I think like as mothers, we want to be the best, you know, we want to like be able to take care of your kids and your partner and everybody. And, and it's like, we got to take care of ourselves first, fill up our cup first and, and know what that is to experience that. What does that feel like for you? Mm -hmm. So when you can tap into that feeling, you can take that with you and know that that's really important first. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. That is something I look forward to, to journaling about today. Oh, good. You got to share it with me. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I will, See what I will comes up. do that. Yes. Yes. Great. Very good. So, 
you know, let us know as we, you know, wrap up, let us know how can people find you and your books and, you know, get to know more about you. Yeah. So my website is leahguzman.com and that has my books on there and also has my programs that I offer. And I'm also on Facebook as artist Leah Guzman and then on Instagram as Leah Guzman Art and Art Therapy Online. So those are the few different ways of being able to find me. Wonderful. Thank you. This has been so refreshing of a time. And so I'm thank you for sharing your your art with us through the reflection and through your responses. And I wish you an amazing year. Thank you. You too. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Moms Changing the World with host Akua Walker. The information shared on this show is meant for educational purposes only and not intended as a substitute for medical intervention or professional therapy. All views shared on the show are that of the speakers only and do not represent any institution. To be a part of the community, visit www.momschangingtheworld.org. There you'll find ways to connect with and support the moms we interview. Join us next time for more encouragement and support to be a mom changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for listening.